And somebody picked on me one time because they're like, you always say you fantastic people. I'm like, is that a problem? <laughs> Sorry for calling our people fantastic. I'll use a better word, like mediocre. <laughs> Going through our study on the book of James, and the book of James, I think, is pretty cool because uh, James, as we've talked about, was the brother of Jesus. And we don't know exactly how far apart Jesus and James were, but I'm going to guess about two years because that's how far me and Matt are, and it makes it easier in my head to figure out their relationship. <laughs> and that's funny because if anybody has a brother, especially a brother or a sister, I don't know what it's like to have a sister. I never had a sister. Although I did call Matt my sister a couple of times to make him angry. But that's not what this sermon's about. But if you had a sibling that was close in age, you know there are times when you are competitive. There are times when you are best friends. There are times when you are borderline going to kill each other. There are times when you may have attempted to cross that border. But your relationship with your sibling is unlike any other one. And James, the brother of Jesus, decided to follow him and write a book all about him and so that to me adds some legitimacy to who Jesus was because his own brother and this wasn't a deal where Jesus came home for dinner one night and was like hi mom it's great to see you I'm going to find 11 guys to come follow me around and she said you better take your brother too <laughs> it's not how this happened James on his own chose to follow Jesus just as the others did and then wrote a book all about him which I think is pretty cool. And today's focus is on James chapter 5. It says, If anyone among you, it said, Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call on the elders of the church, and they should pray over him, anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will restore him to health. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is, a very, is very powerful in its effect. And what I like most about this is there's almost like some implied questioning. When he says, is anyone cheerful? Well, you should sing praises. And it's almost like everybody went, no. <laughs> Anybody here cheerful? No. Anybody suffering? Yes. But the answer to, to every question is prayer. And it's funny if we just isolate the questions. It's like, is anybody suffering? Is anybody cheerful? Is anybody sick? And he has answers for all these. And right now, when I look at the news, it's like, are people suffering? Is anybody happy? Are people sick? And it's like the big, the big three right now that it seems like the world is struggling with the most is no one's satisfied, no one's happy, everybody's suffering, and everybody's sick. And, and the answer to all this, obviously, is, is prayer. And that's a, the typical church answer. Well, did you pray? And that annoyed the snot out of me as a teenager. Like having trouble with anything. Well, have you prayed about it? Okay, I just, I don't know what a credit score is. Can someone just help me explain this? I don't need it. Especially going to a Christian school, well, did you pray about this? Okay, I just, I have a 2.1 average and I need to go to college. This is, <laughs> this is past prayer at this point. Don't worry, your mama did a lot of prayer. Yeah. 
We all know. <laughs> and when it comes to praying over a situation, and what's, I, I, read, I read a cool thing on Facebook. Uh, actually, it's ironic that I read this on Facebook about Facebook. But it talked about, it was uh, it's on a theology page because I'm a nerd, and I was reading it, and one of my friends actually posted it, and it said, the problem with Facebook and social media in general is that it gives mankind a false sense of omniscience and omnipresence, that we can know everything and be anywhere simultaneously, and that gift was specifically reserved for God. And so simultaneously, when that happens, we also see what tends to be all of the problems all at once rush to us, and we see all the negative, because it's rare we see something positive get shared worldwide on Facebook, and if it does, it gets like, see this photo, it's out of context, see why. But we have this false sense of power almost, because we can literally know anything at a moment's notice. We can talk to friends no matter where they are in the country. We can see their po photos and their life and their pictures and everything and keep up with people just as if they were right there with us when they could be on the other side of the globe. And that's a responsibility and a power that was not made for humanity. And not to say that if you're on Facebook, it's like you're trying to be God. That's not at all what I'm saying. But so many times we're taking our problems to social media when we should be taking them to God. Yeah. You know, I, I see posts all the time on Facebook that's like the little, the, the ask your community questions. And that's useful if you're like, hey, I'd like to find a new dentist. <laughs> and so you go, hey, who's a good dentist in the area? And everybody's like, oh, this is a great dentist. This dentist use craftsman pliers to pull my tooth out don't go to him you know that's that's what the, but I see people online asking like oh my gosh my kids are going nuts and crazy what do I do with them I'm like don't put that on Facebook and if you did that I'm sorry I don't know I don't keep up with everybody's Facebook or you say you know, we're, you start, we start airing all of these businesses and laundry on Facebook about what these crazy problems we have. And you, it never fails. Then the comic section lights up with everybody's opinion of what we should do in that situation. And then people in the comments start arguing about what you should do with your situation. But let me tell you something. When it comes to praying about a situation, not a lot to argue about. Do we take it to God in prayer? Because is anyone suffering? He should pray. It doesn't say, is anyone suffering? If the answer is yes, you should pray. No, is anyone suffering? Yes, you should pray. No, still should pray. Thank God that we're not suffering. Is anyone cheerful? Yes. Well, you should sing some praise. No, well, still sing praise. Is anyone sick? You should call on the elders. See, that's the only one that's specific. It says, if you're sick, call on the elders of the church. They should pray over you with an uh, anointing oil. And you know what? Can, let me tell you, if, if some people may be weirded out by the whole putting the oil on the head or somewhere thing, and let me tell you something, if you're sick enough, you'll take anything. <laughs> and it's 
it's not that weird. I've seen how much oil is in our diets, and a little bit during prayer is not going to hurt anybody any worse. It says, if it will save the sick person, and the Lord will restore him to health. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And we've seen that over and over and over again. Because let me tell you something. There's some righteous, God-fearing people in this church. And when they pray, listen up. What's so cool about this to me is when he says, um, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And that, that just kind of got slid in there. If you committed sins, you will be forgiven. Because so often, I guess, whether it comes to suffering, whether it comes to our joy or even our health, so often it's because we're blaming ourselves for something that we've done. We're, we're feeling unforgivable. How many know that, that health isn't limited to the coronavirus? Health can be mental health, physical health spiritual health you can be sick in more ways than just the sniffles or the stomach bug if he has committed sins he will be forgiven period what I, what I find is what I often find is when people are told, well, you should pray about it, or have you prayed about it, and we hear, God doesn't want to listen to me. God, I, I'm too far gone. I can't pray about it. This isn't my really, me and God ain't exactly on the same playing field right now. I've done some things quite recently that I just feel unworthy of God. And in three verses, the brother of Jesus, who I feel like could speak on his behalf about this subject, says, listen, if you're sick, pray. If you've had sin, you'll get forgiven. Boom. All in one. Drive through car wash. Wash, rinse, repeat. All one step. We're good here. And the reason I feel like we, we think this way of, well, God can't help me because of what I've done is because we tend to only go to prayer in the, the post of what just happened. You know, there's, there's three stages of praying to me. There's the about to happen, it just ha happened, and look what happened. And so often we wait to say, God, look, look what just happened. And if we'd have been praying about it during the, the about to happen stage, we may not have been in this mess in the first place. Because how many times have we done something we knew was a bad idea and already had the intention of just praying ourselves out of it on the other side of it? You know, whether it's a relationship, a job, a, a, a split decision, it's just like, you know what? It'll be fine. That's, I say that phrase more than anything because I fix cars and I have to convince myself sometimes it'll be fine. <laughs> but how many times are we, are we in the midst of a huge decision and we have this just flip a coin mentality and then two weeks later when we're dealing with the consequences we're just like heavenly father we just just going hard in the altar just praying and seeking God it's like 
I feel like he's like, you know, I, my number was the same two weeks ago. You could have done the exact same thing. To, like, the line's always open. God doesn't have a voicemail. It's always there, ready to talk. But so often we wait till the, the after the fact to pray. Is anybody suffering? Well, did we, did we, did we pray through the suffering or when the suffering is about to kill us? Is anyone cheerful? Were you, were you singing praises as we were walking down this path? Is anyone sick? Are we waiting to sick until it's, it's to pray when we're sick? Till it's a doctor telling us that it's weeks, not months. Till it's a doctor telling us a terrible diagnosis. Or were we praying through the whole, the whole time? See, prayer, we were told to be constantly praying, always be in a spirit of prayer. And when I was in second grade, I remember our teacher was like, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. I'm like, well, how are we going to do math if I can't stop praying? Which I was kind of excited about not doing math. Because it's a lot better praying than doing math. It's a lot better at everything than doing math. But when the Bible talks about praying without ceasing, it doesn't necessarily mean sit there with your hands folded, praying constantly. You know, if anybody has ever had a small child, you know, sometimes you're watching your small child. Like when my daughter's in a pool, I'm watching her one way. And when my daughter's watching TV, playing in the living room, I'm watching her a completely different way. I'm waiting until she either gets really quiet or really loud before I go check on her. Really quiet, usually a bad sign. Really loud, pretty normal, but still. But when your kid's in the pools, when you're glued, you're, you're right here. You're making sure that everything's all right. And sometimes that's our relationship with God. We can constantly be in communication with him, but sometimes we're focused, we're right here, we're praying, we're opening our Bible, we're seeking him, and then other times we are having a spiritual ear open to hear what he has to say. Sometimes we're just listening for things to maybe get a little too quiet between us and God, or when God's yelling and saying, you need to pay attention right now. I feel like prayer for everybody is a little different in how we talk to God. I came up, I did, I'd say came up like I invented this idea, but I, I, I had this, this term, and I remember it was when I was in Bible college, and I would like walk around my yard just doing stuff, and I would kind of be like thinking and praying, and I'm like, it's contemplating, and that's what I called it, and I thought it was cheesy, and my dad liked it, so I was like, yeah, that's, I meant for this to be deeply spiritual and cool. <laughs> But content, which were, how many times have you been praying and then suddenly, like, you, you sit down and you go to pray and then you realize, like, your mind has just wandered and you've stopped praying and started thinking about something completely random. And you're like, I'm sorry, Lord. My ADD done kicked in. That's just kind of how I pray most of the time. I, I think, pray, go back and forth. And it's like, I, it's, you know, the, the sounding board where you're just talking and God's kind of chiming in. And, like, it, it's, it's, it's an active prayer. And that's okay. God took into account your ADD when he created you. God's not offended that you can't stay focused, okay? You're not less holy because we can't pray. And, and I, and this is funny, and, but not, I cannot pray out loud by myself. 
Not that it's like I feel like it's wrong or like I should. I just like I do the same thing, but I can hear myself doing it, and it hurts my feelings for myself. Because <laughs> like when you're ADD in your head, it's one thing, but when you're ADD out loud to yourself, it's something completely different. But let me tell you something, that's still being in an attitude of prayer. That's still seeking our Father for help. How many times have you called someone close to you on the phone and they did not say a word and you just sat there and talked for 25 minutes and then you went, thank you so much for helping me through this. And they could have hung up 15 minutes ago and you had no idea. And that's okay. Because... That is how we can go to the Father in prayer. That's and the reason we say Father and Lord and and and, and that this, He's this paternal figure is that we can talk to Him like we would our earthly father. And maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your earthly father, but imagine like you did, and you could just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and that's okay. Now, is there a time when we need to be Reverent, or let me say this: Should we be reverent when we pray? Absolutely. Nothing drives me crazier, and I don't care if this offends you. I do not. If someone starts a prayer by saying "Hey God," drives me nuts. He's the author of the universe. Don't send him a text message. Okay. Like, can we be ADD with God? Absolutely. But can you be ADD and very reverent to the author of all creation? Absolutely. And let me tell you something. If I'm going to somebody with my health, wellness, and suffering, I'm not going to be like, what's up? Okay? Anybody ever had a boss that you're very, maybe very close to, and, and you could tell him anything? Like, if you messed up at your job, you could sit down with your boss and be like, look, I messed up. And you knew that it was going to be okay, and he would help you through it. But you didn't walk in and just kick the door into the office and be like, what's up? And sit down, put your feet on his desk, and say, look, I may have messed up here. Because you wouldn't have that job very long. But at the same time, you walk in and be like, hey, sir, I, uh, I know we, you know, I was supposed to fix this thing. And it's actually more broke now than when I started. <laughs> but if you could help me out here. There's reverence and respect and trust and community you can have and still have a great deal of respect. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And it says urgent right there um, because I feel like it's there for twofold. When something is urgent, we tend to feel like this has to happen right now. If something is urgent, like urgently, I need to get this done right now, or else if it waits, something terrible and entirely awful will happen rapidly. Um, but the urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. When we go to God, sometimes we go to have to go to God quickly. Something is just like we need to make a split decision, and we need to go to God very quickly about something. And the reason I believe that they put urgent and righteous right next to each other is when we go to God with something urgent that's very big, very quickly, that we have the spiritual maturity to be able to already know ahead of time if something is wrong, if something is right, and that if there's a 
difference in between that we need to make the decision and we're going to God. God's like, listen, you spent time with me. You know my heart. I know your heart. We're very close to each other. And so when you pray for something and it's urgent, I'm going to come through for you. Because sometimes we don't lack the maturity, the spiritual knowledge to be able to say, like, I know exactly spiritually I'm in tune right now with what I need to do. Sometimes we feel like we have absolutely no idea. We can pray our eyeballs out, and we're not getting an answer. And we feel like that's God not listening to us. We feel like that's God ignoring us because somehow we messed up. You know, there are times in the Bible when people fasted and prayed for 40 days and there are times in the Bible where someone briefly mentioned a prayer and God came through and I believe that sometimes the answer is yes sometimes the answer is no and sometimes the answer is wait because as I can recall, there's more than one time in my life when waiting on something, when it was a yes or no here, and we wait, and suddenly this third option appears, and it turns out to be a lot better. God seems to come through in the yes or no wait. I remember one time I was, I was working for a company, and I was doing, it's funny, I used to joke that like, I was the, the star student at this particular company. I was doing fantastic. I was climbing the ladder. I was doing everything. And I was like, I'm the last person in this building they're ever going to fire. And I ended up getting fired. <laughs> but what happened was I was on vac. I remember I was on va- I was so mad when this happened. I was on vacation with my wife. This is before Harbor, that year we had. <laughs> I was on vacation with my wife, and we were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And this is... It's going to sound goofy, but if y'all know me, y'all know this is right where I belong. I was in an arcade with my wife playing skee-ball, and she was kicking my butt. My phone rang, and it was my boss. And he said, I just want to give you, he's like, sorry to borrow you on vacation. And I was like, okay, what's up? He says, there's rumor, and it's pretty much solidified that when you come back to work, we're going to be open on Sundays. I was like, okay, I don't work Sundays. He's like, well, you're gonna if you come back. And I was like, okay. And I thought, I'm the star student. I'll call the district manager and make all this just go away because I'm me. (laughs) And I can make this happen. So I come out to work, and I came out out to work on like a Thursday. It was a weird day. So I come in, and he said, it's official. We're opening on Sunday starting in two weeks. And because you're the service manager of the store, you are now responsible for Sundays. You have to be here open and close on Sundays. And I was like, I promise I'm not going to be here. They're like, well, if you want a job, I was like, oh, the best is yet to come. So I called my district manager. That was his boss. And I was like, listen, uh, let's talk for a second. I, uh, I'm not working Sundays, period. Like, I, I, you know, I'm on the bench to get my own store. I'm... You know, I've made the company more money in the past six months than anybody else in my position. Like, you're not going to let me go over one day a week. And he says, well, I'm not going to let you go, but you can quit. I was like, I'm not quitting. 
He's like, well, if you're not working Sundays, you're quitting. I was like, no, if I'm not working Sundays, you're firing me. And so we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, over and over and over again. And eventually, it kind of became rapidly clear that I was not as star of a student as I thought I was at this company. <laughs> because the company had just been bought out by another company who didn't care about star students and grades. They just cared about how much each employee was making, which apparently I was on the, ba the, the bad list. So I, I called my dad, and me and him were bouncing back and forth, and I'm like, well, if I quit, I don't have any jobs really lined up at all. So I'm going to have to figure something out pretty quick. And so we're going back and forth, and this was a good job. I was making fairly decent money for being like 20-something, <laughs> three, I think. Anyways, so I, I was making really good money, and I, I enjoyed it. And, and so finally on the phone, I was like, listen, I'm in, and I thought, I was like, I got him cornered here because I'm so smart. I said, listen, I'm a minister in a church, and for religious purposes, I can't work Sunday. And according to this religious discrimination law, you can't force me to work Sundays. He goes, okay, cool. We're going to put it that you quit, and if you want to prove we fired you, you can pursue that route. And I was like, dang it. So I was like, all right, whatever. And I said, do you want me to work out the week? He was like, nope, go turn your keys in right now. I said, cool. Turn on my keys. And my wife worked next door to me, which was the coolest thing ever. So I could like, be like, hey, babe, I brought you lunch. And she was next door. And so I go tell, and I just walk next door, and she's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I got fired. And she's like, that's not good, honey. It's not good. She's like, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do at all. But I'll figure it out. And so I immediately called my dad. I'm, and I had been kind of praying off and on. But at this point, I didn't have time to sit there and hit my knees in prayer and be like, Lord, I need you to come through. I need you to change this heartless district manager's mind. I didn't have time to hit my knees. I just kind of had time to bounce ideas off God. And like, I don't know what to do. I know, I, I know I'm not working Sundays. That's a conviction that I have. If you ha don't have that conviction, it's fine. If you feel that you need to work on Sundays to provide for your family. I will never fault anybody else for that. This was the conviction that I had, and I said, I'm not working Sundays, period. I will die on this hill. I don't care. I'll go make money by growing blueberries. I don't know, just something <laughs> else. And so I leave, and I'd gotten like two miles from my store, and somewhere called me and offered me a job. Just out of the blue, I'd done no more than send in a resume, and they're like, hey, can you come in for a job interview? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and I would love to say that I went to this job and God provided the greatest job I ever had. No, I hated that job. But you know what? The light stayed on at the house. I never went hungry. You know, my wife could still buy ungodly amounts of Dunkin' Donuts whenever she wanted to. <laughs> but you know what? It seemed like at the time, like, when this story would end, that there would be some huge, amazing outcome that, oh, I got this amazing job, and I made so much money, and I just didn't have to work at all, and just, I just watched people work, and I told them what to do, and money just flew at me from the air vents. Because that's a lot of times what we expect God to do when we go through a crisis. We think, 
God, I'm waiting. And I could have said, listen, God, I know you, you got this job, but this isn't really the job I wanted that you, for you to provide. So I'm just going to keep praying through when God's like, dude, you have no money. Here's a job. Go work it and shut up. But how many times do we have the opportunity that God gives us a clear defined answer and we don't want it, so we just keep praying like God's going to change his mind? How many times are we suffering through something and we're praying God to take it away and he's like, I told you what you got to do. You need to stop doing that. Like, Lord, I just, just please make my health better. I told you, stop eating Burger King nine times a week. Lord, just take this, this ailment away from me. Dude, you literally drink two and a half gallons of Mountain Dew a day. Stop. Lord, I just believe you can heal me. You're literally eating a McMuffin right now. Like right now, while you're praying about your health, you're eating. But our answers from God sometimes are very apparent. We just don't want to hear them. And we feel that we can just pray our way out of the God's answer which sounds so dumb, but every one of us has done it. You can't pray your way into making God change his mind because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's not going to change his mind about something. And so when we start praying for our situation or whatever it is, sometimes we get an answer, and it's not the answer we like. And if we truly believe in the power of prayer and that God is who he says he is and that he is the author of the universe and knows more than we do, we should listen to him. And anything bad that happens when we don't is on us, not God. Because when something bad happens, when we didn't listen to God, we want to be like, God, what, what happened, man? I prayed about this, and you did exactly what I told you not to. So what do you think was going to happen? And I'm guilty of it too. I've pl plenty of times done stupid things and prayed about it and then wondered what the heck happened. Like I joked about earlier, I went to high school and I did not do good in high school at all. And I thought that I could just, I'm like, yep, it'll all work out. I'll go to Lee University with a full ride even though I haven't seen a B since the one that stung me in eighth grade. And <laughs> And then suddenly I'm like, they're like, well, you can go to community college and take out student loans because ain't nobody giving you a scholarship. And I'm like, what, Lord, what? <laughs> what has happened? Well, you spent the last four years playing golf all the time and not studying, so what do you think was going to happen? But God, I just, I want to go to Lee University, not Georgia Gwinnett, because I just really didn't want to go there. And so we pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and we are unable to accept the consequences of our actions when we do the wrong thing. And so equal to me to prayer is the being able to accept, being able to accept the fact that maybe we're going to get an answer we don't like. And maybe that has to do with our joy. Maybe it's like, God, I, I am I'm struggling right now with my joy. And he's like, listen, um, you're going to for a little bit. But I promise there's going to be a better tomorrow, but that tomorrow might be a lot further away than tomorrow. Sometimes it's, Lord, I'm sick. And God says, I'm, I'm going to heal you, but it's not the way you, you think I'm going to. 
sometimes it's Lord, Lord, I, I'm suffering and I, I have this, I have this problem and it, maybe it, it, I have this job I just hate or maybe I have this this situation with my parents or my kids or whatever it might be and it's like listen um you're going to be there a minute how long till you retire but listen god promised he would give you an answer he didn't promise it was going to be the one you liked and i especially with recent news i've looked so hard and so deep and Last couple weeks of this church have been fantastic. Would you agree? We've had some amazing services. God has done some amazing things. And then I look online and I see what's going on in different parts of the world, not just Afghanistan, but all across the world and the madness that's going on. And I think to myself,
say things like, is anybody suffering? And our idea of suffering is really just inconvenience. Suffering to a lot of other people means making 50 cents a day at their job. Suffering to other people means that their six-year-old has to go to work
and build community with, you can go to when in prayer. Whenever we have an issue, somebody here will pray with you. And God listens to the people of life. But I've seen it happen more than one time. We prayed for a building for six years, and we got a pretty cool one. We got cool lights and a cool screen and a mediocre drummer. And so let me tell you this. I'm going to pray today. And if there's something that you feel like you cannot pray with on your own, you can come to the altar and somebody will pray with you. I promise. No one has ever prayed in this altar alone. And that's because we do things like we're going to do tonight and build community. Because prayer is powerful individually, but it's ridiculous when it's in numbers. There's nothing Everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you go.